Hello, my name's Mike. I'm the pastor at Watch It Baptist Church and you're watching WBC Online. It's great to be with you. We're continuing a sequence uh, based on or running parallel with the material from LICC called Growing on the Front Line. We spent quite a bit of time already talking about what our desires are, what the emotions are that show us those desires, how those desires have an impact on our choices and how those choices affect our fruitfulness. It's been really helpful building up a sort of layering up of our understanding of how we grow on the front line and what some of the challenges are that come with that. In this session we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, just a couple of verses in there, and then we'll be looking at Hebrews as well briefly. Before we go any further, I'm going to pray and then we're going to read those James verses. So let's pray first. Father God, we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that through that Spirit, by us investing in his wisdom and him investing in our personality, that we might recognise what it means to be more like Jesus, that we might accept the challenge to grow. Amen. So we're going to begin with uh, James chapter 1, just verses 2 to 4. I'm reading them from the New Living Translation, and it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Amazing words, rich promises too, and a real testament to how uh, important it is to see our discipleship as the development of our character so that we become more like Jesus. The heart of this session has to do with what the material that LICC produces, what it refers to as winter seasons. So that's a recognition that there are times in our lives when it feels as if there is little going on, or things are bleak, or that we're up against the elements. Times when the circumstances around us don't seem to be helpful for growing, or indeed just for enjoying the path of life that we're walking at that time. Many of us will be familiar with the uh, Footprints poem and how it describes the times when Jesus carries the disciple rather than walking alongside. And perhaps it's this kind of moment that we're thinking of. Now, this may not be a phase in your life right now, and that's OK. In fact, in some ways, it's good to be able to prepare for a season like that. It might, however, be something that you're really familiar with just now. And my hope is that by looking at this passage and something of what it tells us, we might support one another in how we keep going in Jesus and with him in the middle of those tougher times. When we look at the Bible, we do see evidence that its characters are familiar with those winter seasons. Perhaps a good example of that is from the book of Ruth, where Naomi, who, although not the title character, probably has as much going on uh, in that story as anybody does, when Naomi has to, finds herself in a position where she needs to return home. So she's 
an Israelite woman who has moved away, married a man, had two sons, and both of those sons have got married. But disaster strikes her. And in that moment, she loses her husband and both her sons. And she and her daughters left to fend for themselves in a culture that doesn't really make any allowances for that, are forced to make a radical choice. Naomi decides she has to go home. Both the daughters say they'll come with her, although one of them changes her mind on the way back. So Naomi arrives back in Israelite land with Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and she has nothing. She's not the only person who goes through that kind of challenge. Esther, another, another woman whose story we have an entire book dedicated to in the Bible, finds herself in a place where her entire nationality, her whole ethnic identity is at risk. Genocide is threatened with every Hebrew at risk of being killed. That is a pretty bleak place to be. And there are others too. Daniel, uh, another, another guy with a book named for him, his story starts with deportation from his home and an arrival in a strange land where worship practices are very different, where he does have opportunity, but he also has enemies surrounding him. He has to make difficult choices there too. And if we look forward into the New Testament, we see Paul, a lot of his letters that he writes that are New Testament um, writings that we depend on, are written from a time when he is in prison awaiting trial with the real threat of execution. So there are winter times, winter periods of life, peppered throughout scripture. That, if nothing else, is an encouragement that when we experience those times, we're not alone. Perhaps it's worth bearing that in mind as we consider how we might respond to those periods in our lives. Throughout this series, we've used or referred to the image of a tree actually, generally speaking, a fruit tree. It comes up at the start of each of our sessions here on YouTube. And uh, although it might be not quite so visible if you're um, listening to this on podcast, that has been a motif that we've talked about throughout the sequence. Now, in the wintertime, a fruit tree looks completely lifeless. Indeed, we have one at the end of our garden just now. It's a cherry tree and you would easily mistake it just for a stick pointing out of the ground with a couple of other sticks stuck to it. It, it looks so much less like uh, a life-giving uh, thing. It, it, it doesn't seem to be thriving. And yet, it is in the winter times that these trees really dig deep. Their roots go searching for the richest soil available. They seek nutrition. They seek anything that's going to help them thrive uh, as they go on into the next season of their life. It's a time of survival, yes, but preparation too. And perhaps when we look at the winter seasons of our own lives, it's good that we hold both of those things at the same time, perhaps in a little bit of tension, that these are periods when things are bleak and let's not pretend otherwise. Perhaps David is a good example for, for us for this, that so many of his psalms uh, are from winter experiences in his life 
Uh, he is brutally honest with God about how those things feel. But in the middle of that bleakness, there's also preparation. Preparation for the bit that comes next. And really at an optimum time, an ideal time to sink those roots in deeper, to find the richness that will propel the next phase of life. We are not simply waiting for the storm to pass. We are in some ways learning to dance in the rain. James, at the very opening of his letter, really wants to remind his listeners who are disciples, some new, some more established, that there are things happening when struggles come in life. Let's just have a look back over it. Dear brothers and sisters, he writes, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's a saying in sport, I think I might have referred to it before, I think particularly in football we find it, that, that describes uh, each match as either winning or learning. And that actually in losing there is learning in a way that in winning there is less so. These winter periods in our lives that we're thinking about are opportunities and it's difficult always to look at them that way and James recognises this when he says uh, when troubles come consider it an opportunity for great joy. He's not saying you're naturally going to feel like this, he's giving them instruction that they might choose how they respond to this and that's really important. James is encouraging his readers to make a choice about how they respond, not to simply let things hit them or bounce off them, not to assume that great joy will naturally come, but to make choices that will bring them to a place of growth and development and of joy too. Joy because they see how God has been at work through those winter times. James is a bit more specific. He says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So when you are under pressure, that's the point at which you say, actually, where are my roots? What is the source of strength and life for me at this time? What am I going to do in response to this time being difficult? Now, I have uh, in recent days been more aware again of the struggles I have with my own mental health. I've had some trickier times and there are reasons for that that I don't need to go into just now but it is it's a nudge for me. It's a nudge that says so in the middle of this what do you do? What do you rest on? How do you rest? Where do you seek the nourishment that you need? How do you go about being honest with yourself about what's happening? Because if all I do is just uh, look for a kind of automatic response I'm going to be disappointed there is little about the way my brain works or my faith works that means that things just automatically work out okay I have to make choices I have to decide how I want to respond I have to be aware of my own mind and how it's working I have to be aware of my own faith and how I nurture it I have to be aware of my relationship with my Father in heaven 
and choose to invest in it. None of these things necessarily make the winter time pass quickly, but they do mean that those roots go deeper. And it does mean, as James says, that when we face those hardships, there are ways we can choose to respond that have much more to do with how we look for God to help us grow in the middle of that. The folks at LICC have been quite consistent in giving us honest and helpful messages uh, about our growth on the front line. And pay attention to this on the front line bit, because it's in those situations where perhaps we don't feel the safety and security of our home environment that really these changes make a biggest difference. It can be very easy for us to feel that we're growing or to feel more secure than we did maybe three weeks ago or three months ago. But only when we're on that frontline situation and faced with challenges can we actually know whether that feeling of growth has embedded properly, whether those roots are really deeper or not. It's not an easy thing to grow. And it takes time, as we've been learning from this reference point of the tree. There's nothing, says the material on the videos online, there's nothing automatic about our growth. It comes through our choices. It's not automatic. And so we have to decide how we're going to respond. Only a page or two back in my Bible from the passage we read in James, there's the passage in Hebrews that we're going to have a look at as well. And it says this. I'm reading from Hebrews 12 here, and I'm going to start at uh, verse 5. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years during the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It is a longer passage and it perhaps gives something of an overtone that we might need to be careful about. The temptation here is to hear a message that says when hard things happen God has made life hard for you because he thinks it's good for you to make your life hard. I'm not sure that's quite what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. If we look at how James understands that sense of when difficulties come and how you choose to respond to them, we might more accurately recognise this passage as the writers of the Hebrews saying, remember that God always loves you. And his ability to bring about your development and growth 
through hard times. His ability to do that is absolutely perfect. He's not going to mess it up. He's not going to fail to follow through on his love when you are in hard times. And actually, if you're willing to put yourself in his care, you will be better having gone through that difficulty. It is in so many ways the same as you win or you learn. When hard times come your way, says the writer of the Hebrews, take the opportunity to let God shape you through that hard time. Don't see it as God giving you a hard time because he wants you to suffer, but instead recognise that when God is present in your hard time, he has the chance to mould you in ways that are fantastic and which give you a stronger future and deeper roots in him. And perhaps the writer of the Hebrews does a good job of summarising that in those two little bits. So he says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share his holiness. There's that. And there's also in verse 13, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. He's saying, take advantage of the opportunity to get stronger and get stronger in a way that comes from who the Father is able to be in your life. What Jesus wants to give you in your character. Now, these things remind both both these things remind us that in this journey of growth, which is at its most challenged on our front lines when we're engaging with people who don't yet know Jesus or who are watching us to see how we represent Jesus. It's on our front lines that we get to find out what, whether the rubber really has hit the road for us. We have opportunities, but God doesn't make us take them. We can look for our roots to go deeper in winter seasons, but God doesn't make us. We have the chance to see the joy of God at work in our lives through his spirit through those winter times when we look back and see how he grew us. But only if we want to grow. And growth requires a level of humility. That means that we know we haven't arrived yet. It involves a level of humility that says People are going to be able to identify flaws in me and I need to accept that those things are real. It means being able to say, I'm going to need to be honest about where the gaps are, about the ways that I want to be different from who I was before. And then looks for a way to develop that growth. Now, the material that we're working alongside from NICC consistently talks about the way in which we take on prayer disciplines and patterns that help us do this and the renewal prayer is something we're encouraged to look at again with this passage and with this part in the series so please do that if you haven't got a copy of the book yourself find somebody who's got one and take a picture of it on your phone or something like that get them to type it out for you if they're feeling generous and they've got a bit of time so that you have access to that renewal prayer we have to make choices to involve the Holy Spirit in how we face our winter seasons. We have to accept that, that the shaping of our lives that the Father can do is something that we have to invite him to do because it's not automatic. 
we need to recognise that it's not just a case of saying, I wish I were more like Jesus, but saying, what can I do? What choices can I make to become more like Jesus? And I think we'll leave it there. I'm going to wrap up in prayer uh, and then we'll ask three questions. But as ever, the priority is to look at the video material uh, and the work in the book that comes from Growing on the Front Line. This is part six. Uh, so please do prioritise those things uh, and take a look at my questions if they're going to be helpful or if you find that you have a bit more time to work through this stuff. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be honest about our winter seasons, to be true with you about what they are and how they feel. Would you help us also to take those winter seasons as prompts to send our roots deeper, as opportunities to let you shape us so that we can be more like Jesus. Would you help us remember that the front line for us isn't necessarily always the place where we're trying to make evangelism happen, but it's where we get the chance to be more like Jesus so that Jesus is recognised wherever we are. And would you bless us as we seek to do these things. Strengthen us too, we pray. Amen. OK, we're looking at three questions and they're going to be brief. Number one is this. How can you put your roots deeper into God in your winter seasons? Question two. Who knows how you want to grow? Who have you told about how you want to grow to be more like Jesus? Who is aware of your honest reflection on where your gaps are? and where you want to blossom as a disciple. Question three, how is the renewal prayer helping you to involve the Father in your day-to-day -day life? Okay, that's it from me. I hope you'll join me again for part seven, which we'll do next time. Take care, God bless. See you soon.